Hello and welcome into episode 28 of the Orlando Drummer Podcast. Sorry, we took a couple weeks off there. Had, uh, what did I do? Went to, <laughs> oh, you're getting a phone call. Huh? Yeah, I'm getting it. Hold on, sorry. No, I'll take this. <laughs> Um, vintage phone that wall is coming together huh that's cool it. yeah getting busy getting busy um no i took a quick trip up to uh north carolina my mom lives up there has like 40 acres big old cool spot in north carolina and uh, i needed a lawnmower and she had a ride lawnmower for me so that was my cool. domestic road trip up in the country but back now we're in drum mode and how are you doing brother i'm doing good yeah i love being in drum mode drum Actually, mode back in it weird I have not sat down at a kit in almost a year. Wow. Yeah. Long it's time, been man. crazy. I think this point last year I was moving. Yeah. And so it was just packed away. Yeah. And then by the time I moved to where I live now, I just couldn't set it up. Yeah. You know, so I haven't, haven't done that. It's been a year. Kind of sucks. Yeah. Gotta that's be a honest. Long time to not play. I don't, I'm trying to think of the longest actual time I've gone and not not played definitely like two to three months before but have you ever noticed this before where some like for some reason like you you play really well when you take a long time off does that happen to you i think it's well i wouldn't know because again it's been a while maybe if i played again too long, it would, yeah. I would, I would, yeah i've been a little too long <laughs> so i might be rusty but i think where you're coming from is you get you sit back down to focus and really work on something after taking such a long break because mm-hmm. your mind has had a long time to just like sort things out. You don't get as distracted when you sit down because you're like, oh, I finally get to do this. Like I want to make the time really worth it. Well, I don't know. For me, it feels it's probably a different experience for everybody. But for me, it feels like like all of the information, all the drum data that like bounces around my brain, mm-hmm. like settles Mm. right and so it's like there's like a clarity to my playing if that makes sense like my brain isn't busy with drum nonsense all the time it's like kind of wiped clean a little Mm. i don't know or maybe it's just your brain thinking that you're better because you haven't heard yourself play in a while that or (laughs) you're just like oh man it's been three months i must be absolute crap like and then but you actually are good yeah yeah maybe you don't lose that skill for a while yeah see i remember this happened i used to get I used to get really upset when I was a young kid, like 12, 13, when I couldn't take my skateboard places. This was like a battle I had with my mom for like several years. If I can't bring my board and skate, then like I'm mad that I have to go. (laughs) And I remember we went on this one, we went on a cruise, and she was like, no, you cannot bring, you you can't bring a skateboard on a cruise ship. Like that's not gonna happen. I was probably 13 or 14, just devastated that I couldn't skate for like a week, right? That was just unbelievable. But then I came home and I skated and I was like, good. Like I felt like it was actually like, I don't know like I got better in the time that I took off and I noticed the same thing with drums sometimes happens but Hmm. yeah not a year probably doesn't apply (laughs) we'll see I mean it would have been it sucks to have this thought now if we knew this a year ago it Mm -hmm. would have been a really good experiment to be like how does your playing you know change after a year of not playing yeah record you know certain things and pick apart certain things that you miss and sure but we could i could go another year and we could try yeah yeah (laughs) so here's another weird one i've had this this thought before if you really wanted to like run the experiment on yourself like what happens if you switch genres like exclusively for like a year but like a whole year like if i said i'm doing death metal and absolutely nothing else for an entire year like what kind of 
like dent does that put in your playing? It would be significant. A huge dent. Huge, yeah, right? Because then your focus is just somewhere different. You're in another universe. Yeah. Right. It, same if you switched instruments. Right. If you went from drums to guitar, guitar to drums to flute to piano, sure. whatever. Your mind would be thinking about different things in a different way. And then upon returning to your original bass, you'd have a different perspective, I think. Definitely so, would. Yeah, I couldn't help it. And a larger appreciation, which is probably why you think you're better after not playing for a while. <laughs> Who knows? <Yeah. laughs> Who knows? All right. Know. Well, we got in the way of loops this week. Well, if you haven't played for a year and you want to practice <laughs> for uh, the drums, uh, you can practice to some loops that we have. Oh, yeah. So every week, we typically pick a loop of the week. And this week, I have from the Chill Hop volume of loops, uh, V1. Let me start that over. From version one of the Chill Hop loops, loop four. Loop four yes. from Chill Hop V1. Chill Hop. Um, that loop pack, man, it was one of the few that we did where me and Joe both loved it so much. We yeah. were like, we're doing this again. So we did V2 like right after and then V3. Maybe that would be a good one to, to toss in the mix like a V4. We've never gone to the V4 territory for any of the loop packs. We did Trap. Mm -hmm. There's three of them. What else? Trap, Chill Hop. I think it's the only ones we did three of because people liked them so much. But anyway, stop talking. Let you guys hear it. Here is uh, Chill Hop V1 Loop 4. the chill hop tracks but mm -hmm. they're um most similar to that is like neo soul neo soul volume one and two those are also really similar but really really fun like groove oriented just weird chord progressions and cool instrumentation on a lot of stuff they're fun mm -hmm. uh remember you don't have to ever purchase any of the loop packs you can stream all of them with a membership to orlandodrummer.com uh you can use code odpc and save 25 percent on your first two months it's an online drum school very much in the style of netflix and uh included with the membership is not only the entire loop library you can stream them, uh, stream them um, offline with uh, with offline playback within the apps. You can download them. You don't have to be on Wi-Fi to jam any of the tracks. Uh, also included with the membership is you know dozens and dozens and dozens of master classes. 
really extensive lesson packs. I think we have 27 lesson packs in total. Um, chops, grooves, fills, rudiments, behind the scenes stuff, audio, video, you name it. I promise we have something that you will like. Uh, again, promo code is in the description of this podcast or the YouTube video. Check it out. We'd love to have you guys on board. Yeah. And that's... Uh, that's our lone sponsor. That's yeah. it. We the keep it easy. The only one. <laughs> Other one I'll throw in there too because my neck and back have been hurting so much. My pillow. Um, <laughs> I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna say yoga for drummers. Yoga for drummers. There you go. Okay. It's another really great one. Uh, <laughs> highly underrated, I think. Everybody yeah. should watch that and then learn from that and then do those stretches every morning and every night. Yeah. So they're not sore like me. Absolutely, um, man. I posted yeah. about the yoga for drummers class like a couple weeks ago and there's always without fail <sighs> one person one person that's just like damn like when's the vegan cookbook coming out dude just like come on bro what it's, a what a low-hanging <laughs> fruit you can't joke. Tell, i know you can't tell people to stretch without getting made fun of it's like all right that's the all weirdest right. thing like, yeah it's not all right whatever the set you right. step you step out of the lane like a half step and there's just somebody there you know it's so funny uh, <laughs> this will get cut, but just people. I just like to think that this guy's back is gonna be like totally fucked in like five years, and he's gonna be like, oh, maybe yoga would have like googling yoga stuff. Like, never, come on, man. never mind, that's yeah. gay. I wouldn't do it if I didn't have to, you know. But <laughs> oh, oh so funny. Okay, anyway, right. anyway, we'll move on from the loop of the week. Uh, into a little topic of discussion, um, but a little but a little bit of spice on these discussions, right? So this piece is called Accent or Ghost, where we get your view, sometimes my view, on many aspects of the drumming industry. And at the end, we'll get an approval from you, which is an accent or a disapproval, which is a ghost. So what do we think about unair conditioned storage slash practice space for your drums Ugh. so like a shed out back yeah right or miserable. a garage or like a attic or a basement like something. yeah i mean definitely not good for the instrument that's for sure it also this depends on where you live and like you know this being in florida like that is not an option nope. in like a four-month window in Flo like right now yeah. like you can't even i won't even make small talk in like a parking lot in Florida in the summer. It's just like, Ugh. no, we're not, we're not, I will not stand here and say things like we move, we have yeah. to move and get out of this. It's, it's really that bad. And it's, it's crazy humid. Like if you just took a drum set, didn't even play it and just put it in like my shed yeah. and just left it there, that thing is ruined in three months. Like it's destroyed. Yeah. It's warped. It's got mold inside yeah. of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the humidity will just warp it. The sometimes like Termites too. Watch out for those. That things. could happen. That's <laughs> termites on a drum set. I've known a few people that have gotten termites in their drum sets, and it's just like no oh. way. That's a real thing. That's crazy. Um, I think it like on like cheaper uh, woods. If you left um, it in a shed, I guess that could happen. You stored it long term. Yeah, but if you're leaving it, in, like the whole thing is gone, right? If yeah. termites get into anything that's wood, they're just eating everything. If you have it in bags or cases, maybe they're more protected. Maybe. Um, yeah, definitely I mean, warped. I know? would say if you. You, okay, so destroying the instrument aside, I mean, I would just think, okay, I actually own one of these. They're really cool. You can buy portable air conditioning units. It looks like a, I don't know, like a dehumidifier yeah, or yeah. like one of those little things. Yeah, I have one of those. They're awesome. They're yeah, super, they're really cool. Yeah, and it's like maybe $300. So I don't know. I would say if it's between, 
you being totally miserable, like covered in sweat, damaging your instrument, or spending $300 on a little, like a window shaker unit or something mm. like that. That's so so worth it. It's the kind of thing when you're young enough, you don't really care. Like you'll just be miserable. But like everybody over like 25, you stop wanting to deal with that level of misery. Yeah. You're like, I'm gonna spend the money and be, com- be comfortable because I'm gonna die one day. So yeah. let me enjoy this. You yeah, know? If, if you have the ability to do it, to, to have them in an air-conditioned space, do it. Yeah, um, for sure. when it comes to drums that you have to tune every time or that might get warped or ruined by moisture. Um, I don't think anybody's going to store an electric kit in a shed That outdoors. would be a nightmare. No, you would destroy it yeah. so quick. Either destroyed or just like, uh, if it got wet at all, might ruin the electronics. Probably. Stolen is more of like a thought that I would think. Yeah. Easier to steal. Maybe. Well, drum sets are difficult to steal. That's a big, that's a (laughs) really big thing to steal. I think where where drum sets get stolen is like at venues when there's like a bunch of people loading different things in cases. That could happen. But like, I've thought of that before. If someone like broke into the studio, like they would take a lot of things before they were like, let's take the drum kit. Like what? what? Do you have three people to get away with this? Yeah, that's one thing that I think uh, (laughs) in like, the touring world, when you're talking about bands that have their own like trailers or stuff like that, when things get stolen, drums are usually left in there. Yeah, not worth it. They're not, not worth it. They're not easy to carry, or like they people don't know what they are sometimes. Sure, but they're just like, oh, that's a trumpet case. Or, like, well, that's it's a guitar. it's the same Boom. size whether it's three hundred dollars or three thousand dollars or ten thousand. Yeah. Right, it's the same size. Same you don't size, really know same weight, everything like that. And, People who want to just like smash and grab, yeah. aren't really gonna do that. Well, shout out for having the unstealable instrument. That's one. That's one for drummers. Yeah, huh? give us that one. Yeah, but for anybody <laughs> with any other instruments that may be listening, buy really high quality locks for yeah, things. for sure. Trailer locks. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. So are we gonna get a ghost or an accent for um, unair conditioned storage slash practice space? I'm gonna ghost that. I'm gonna ghost that. Go buy the AC unit at Home Depot. All right. Rent a drive drive five minutes further to go to the air conditioned storage unit. I would do that. The air conditioned store. Yep. Yeah. Those they keep exist. it like eighty in there, but it's not that bad, you know. Yeah. That's right. Spend money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do we think about creating your own rudiments out of a string of rudiments? So like, oh, this is a mm. paradiddle flam. Heard a chop. Good thing. question. Like, I mean, you know, or when people give them weird names, you know, or they're just like, this is a pair of flam. Cheese a diddle flam. Yeah, sli- yeah whatever. You know, yeah, this is a fast one. <laughs> At, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, God, this is like such a wormhole. I'm trying to think of how to say it the right way. So there are some translation <laughs> problems between um, certain languages because. There will there are some languages where we have a word for or okay, let's say it this way. You are wearing a like teal colored men's t-shirt. Sure. Right? So that would be like three words. Teal men's t-shirt, right? Mm. But in in certain languages there can be a word where it's one word mm-hmm. and it actually contains all three of those pieces of information Correct. in the word, right? Yeah. So like unpacking it like is can be a little bit tricky. So with this sort of stuff it's like if you have three rudiments and you string them together and give it a new name, like does that help you? Like are are you mm. is it like a shortcut to say the cheesy flamadiddle like over under 
Or you could just be like, it's a six-stroke roll and a pair of diddle-diddle with two kicks at the end. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I, I don't know that there's, like, any advantage to, like, renaming it and calling it something totally new. I, I don't know why you'd necessarily do that. Because the language and the words already pretty much exist. Yeah. But this is a weird, like, I have no doubt that all patterns have been played at some point. All yeah let's just say under 16 notes or something, right? Like all yeah. of those patterns between all your limbs, they have been played before. But when you look at the list of rudiments, like, is that all of them? Like there's got to be some variations that we don't recognize as actual rudiments. And why is that? Is it that they don't sound good? Probably they don't sound good. Well, yeah, or they're in uh, 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 a subdivision so small like 64th notes. Well, that it's like why but even rudiments count don't, that? Well, rudiments don't quite come with subdivision, right? You you use the subdivision to, to play them, but uh, okay, you could okay, play yeah, you could play 64th notes and use any rudiment, right? I think one thing that that that's a limiting factor is length. Like you're not going to have the 29 stroke roll cuz it's just silly. Like we get it. You wouldn't keep going. Otherwise, there would be infinite rudiments. You would have the you know, the two billion stroke roll. Like, there's just no reason to go that. At a certain point, you stop counting. Yeah, at I don't, five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but th- then there's, man, I really need like a history lesson in this. There are some things that are recognized patterns that we don't call rudiments, right? So like, right, right left, right, left, left. That's a really common five note grouping. If you combine it with kicks, it's used for all different styles of music. I play it all the time, but that's not a rudiment. Why, like, who made up those rules and how long ago? I'm guessing this was around, like, 200-something years ago in snare drum territory. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Has anyone ever, like, come up with an alternate group of patterns? They'd be like, no, here's a, it's like a, like a different way to map out the language. I don't know. I don't think we're going to get into that territory until we have, like, third arms yeah, <laughs> it is, you know, it's, math- like, it's all mathematically limited by how many how many limbs, limbs yeah. you have. Yeah, yeah, there's only so many you could do, and we have definitely played all of them. Yeah, it's just like the naming and organizing them part. I don't know who made the executive decision on what 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 is classified as like an official rudiment. What makes a hybrid rudiment? It's just like not on the original list. Yeah, that's why it's a hybrid. It's just like, like generally accepted. It's not like there's a committee of people that are yeah. like approving and disapproving new rudiments to use. Right, it's so unofficial. Then yeah. there's also rudiments with subdivision changes, but if that's allowed, like hertas, uh-huh. that's considered a hybrid rudiment, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's African, so it's like tied to a culture, but you know, so it's got a different history to it. But like if subdivision changes are on the table, then infinitely more rudiments could be created, right? You could come up with tons of them if I'm allowed to change the subdivision. Like, that's that does not apply to all the traditional ones, I don't think. I don't mm-hmm. think you're allowed to change subdivision in the middle. But hertas are 16th notes and 30 seconds mm-hmm. combined. I mean, respectively, depends on how you look at it. But, hmm, that's what I mean. This is a wormhole. I don't know. Well, how about this? If, if, if we're talking about, in, you know, giving it a pass or a fail, an accent or a ghost, we say creating your own rudiments out of a string of rudiments. Kind of like if you're just like, here's a lesson on this thing, and it's just a string of rudiments that maybe has a different name already, or like they think that it's new, but mm-hmm. it's not really an original concept. Like well, how, how would you gauge that? I, I mean, it doesn't seem fair to me to just be like, here's a flamicue. Like, this is a lesson that's official that like we should be coined for mm-hmm. and everything like mm-hmm. that. Not to like throw anybody under the bus or anything, <laughs> but like, 
you know, it's like, well, okay. Well, okay. So somebody would have figured that out with like a general amount of knowledge after yeah. a while. So I would, I would give it the overall accent because what you're really doing is just combining patterns, which is a huge part of the exploratory nature of playing drums. Like, like finding two things that you learned from, let's just say two different YouTube teachers and then combining them for your own thing. Like that's a weird 2021 example, but like stuff like that, right. Or a groove mm-hmm. that you got from one album combined with the feel that you got from another album with a different drummer, like that sort of stuff. It, 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 it's a really important part of the creative process. A lot of times you do this anyway, your brain likes melting together different ideas. Um, but doing that intentionally, even if it's just picking two rudiments off of a chart and being like, I'm going to mix these together and see what happens. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. It, it has a high potential for wasting your time because <laughs> a lot of things do not sound good. Just be like, uh-huh. let me spend four hours playing like this rudiment into this rudiment. And like, and you figure out at the end, like, oh, that, that actually isn't that cool. And I don't mm-hmm. <laughs> but But sometimes you can find, like, gold in those. Um, it just depends on what it is. But it, it's it's probably worth your time uh, to to have that exploratory practice that way, just combining two things. Mm. I don't know. I almost look at it as, like, uh, if, it's, if the language analogy holds true, you might not want to give that advice to someone who's, like, learning to speak English. Like, listen, you should just take a bunch of random words. And smash them together and see what happens. Like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You need a little bit of intention here. Um, But but eventually you would want to be like playfully creative in your mind with all the words that you know. Right. You would eventually. But you want to have like a little bit of a strategy. Not That's the way to say it. You should have some version of a strategy when you're doing that. Like, I want to make a cohesive, smooth maybe an aggressive 16th note fill. How could I do that? So then, right, so have like a premise first instead of just being like this one and this one and this one and it's a cheese deal. Like, <laughs> you're not gonna get that lucky, I don't think, but uh, that's a funny one, man. That's cool, I like that. So I'll, I'll give it the accent, I'll give All it the right. accent. It's, right. it's worth your time doing, just have a little bit of a strategy when you do that. Um, what do we think, just a quick one. Uh, what if someone made coated heads out of clear heads with white paint? You're gonna accent or ghost that. Coated heads with, it's clear heads, but they painted them white? Yeah, they were just like, I want coated heads. Oh, and just like spray painted on that. Somebody's done that, right? Yeah, and they're like, I got coated heads. I think it would sound like really bad. Like like garbage. It would would see horror. I saw garbage this week. The band, garbage, actually. What? Yeah, the band was saying uh, Alanis Morissette. Want to see Alanis Morissette? Oh yeah, how's that? Yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. All right, we'll get into that. We'll talk about that later. (laughs) We'll save it for the end, maybe. All right, okay. Um, yeah, I think the, the heads would sound horrible spray painted. Somebody's definitely done that though. See, what about this? What if you what if you back that spray can off the head a bit and gave it the Evans frosted? Just a little mist. Oh my god. <laughs> would it actually sound um, you might get some kind of is, some kind of muting off yeah, of it? Is David Rowe listening to this podcast? Does he, he play the Frosteds? I don't know. Oh no, no, he would he do did that. He, he would did do a that. thing where he removed the, the coat from a coated head to make it into a clear head. Like he did like uses for old heads or whatever. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Interesting video you did. Yeah. Um, shout out David. Um Yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, I wonder if he's done the opposite. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> It'd be cool uh, to have David on just to talk to him about that. Would be a cool one to have stuff. Have him Skype in. That would be yeah. really cool. Skype what or Zoom, whatever yeah. you're using. What you I don't know. In Twenty. Yeah, Skype's like uh, Skype out now. Skype's out. It's Every, so. I feel like I've said it a couple times yeah. recently. People are like, "Use Skype," and like, "Oh." Shit. Well, it's so funny because like. Skype. 
I don't mean to like hark back to like <laughs> earlier last year, but like earlier last year, Zoom, like their stock price and everything kind of yeah. like oh, God, rose and people were downloading it and using bucks. it for everything. And then Skype was like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, we've been doing this. We've been doing this. We were on so Oprah. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so crazy. Anyway. <laughs> so, so what do we think? Accent or ghost? Are you making coated heads out of clear heads of white paint? Just spray paint? No, I'm going to no. ghost that. There are better okay. projects. Go to Home Depot and pick something out. You find, <laughs> you find something better to work on than that. The, the stucco. <laughs> um, and, and the last one on Accent or Ghost, and okay. I have several topics on this one. No, you're good. Um, logic or garage bands? Mm-hmm. Programmed drummer. You know, you know what this is? No, when tell me about that. So basically, uh, in Logic or GarageBand, you can, if you have, you know, you're doing everything digitally, writing the music, maybe you have like a small MIDI controller. It's like, I really like this chord, this melody. I don't know. I really want a drummer, but I have no idea what kind of beat I want. But I know that I want something like Afro-Cuban. And you can literally on GarageBand or Logic just be like, add a drummer afro-cuban and you can change like the amount of fills that they play like where the instruments are localized like what instruments you don't want them to play for a certain section so it will engineer beats for you that sound like an actual drummer playing based on how the software is written so i like that i like it for GarageBand because I think 90 plus percent of people that use GarageBand are tinkering around writing scratch tracks. Like, you know, it's fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just yeah. like it's explorative learning is what GarageBand for the most part is. If you're really doing this for a living, you're using Logic, and I wouldn't be surprised if that feature got stripped from Logic one day. Like, I don't think that many people are really using something that would like write drum parts for you basically in, in logic i don't think that would it's not necessary it's mm-hmm. not not that necessary uh in garage band though i think it's cool i think it's cool i think it would help somebody who had no knowledge of drums to like maybe start tinkering with drums a little bit not in some you know a- advanced or technical way but like having a little bit of control over like how a groove sounds or things like that yeah i think given that it's garage band and like like the user base of that particular software program, yeah, I think it's fine. That doesn't bother me at all. Mm. Like, what do you want to do? You want to take it away and just be like, no, everyone has to learn how to play drum. Like, some people don't care, dude. Yeah. Like, some people just want to press yeah. a button and have a, an Afro-Cuban groove, you know? Yeah, I would think it would be good for demoing or if you're an artist who doesn't play drums or wants to play something else within a group of people, yeah. you can say, here's the concept. It's very, you know, malleable, and you can do whatever you want sure. with it. I'm going to hand it over to professional musicians, bassists, guitarists, pianists, drummers. You do what you want, but here's the bass. Yeah. Right? And I want you to do what you can, but don't go crazy and change this up completely. Sure, so sure, I sure. I think it would be good for that. So, accent or ghost? Hell yeah. Uh, I'll give it the accent. Totally yeah. fine. Okay. Totally fine. Cool. Cool. All right, well, that'll do it for accent or ghost. Up next, we have... Nice little segment. We talk about our favorite drummers in a fun way. Uh, you ever play that one game that's three words where you choose three people and you do three different things with them? <laughs> I can't say it on the podcast, but you know what I'm talking about. Well, anyway, we adapted it. We called it Swap Study Shed. Yeah. After this piece, I give Adam three drummers. He has to choose which one he would swap gigs with, take a lesson from, or study from, or hang out and shed with. Hence, swap, study, shed. Yeah. So my first trio here, and I have some photos in the shared album there. 
All right, who's the first three we got here? So the first trio that I have here is Elon Rubin okay. of Nine Inch Nails, mm-hmm. Josh Dunn of 21 Pilots, Ooh, okay. and Aaron Spears. I don't have to say what he's done. Ugh. But the, right now he's, you know, the drummer for Ariana Grande. So. Yeah. The problem is all three of these guys have sick gigs. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like like arena level, yeah. like massive yeah. and fun kind of in like unique ways. Mm-hmm. I think I would have to swap with Aaron Spears though. You're not going to study from Aaron Spears? He has to have some like secret just well, like Well, okay, he but see he, it's weird cuz he's the kind of player where what he plays like this is such a Benny way to say it, but like the what that he plays is not actually the craziest part. It's like it's more it's how he plays, right? It's that it's so powerful. It's so clean. That is it, true. It's got like such a deep pocket, like a weird, like human touch to it that's very hard to replicate. Like it makes him a super unique player. But if you were to Google, like, I don't know, Aaron Spears chops broken down, like it, it's relative. I don't want to say it's normal. He's not a normal player, but like it's not that he plays insanely technically advanced kind of things. And I would worry that a lesson with him that. He could show you exactly what he's doing. You're like, oh, I could do that. It just doesn't sound anything like when you play it, though. Yeah. And it won't. It won't. That that's what makes him so sick. But I just want to play with her, Ariana. She's she's such a shredder, dude. She's like a. She does not belong in a normal like pop singer category no, at all. No, she's no, not even no. close to like a. Just your. I don't want to like throw anybody under the bus, but if you were to take like a Taylor Swift or. I don't know. Name name your just fill in the blank like pop singer songwriter. Yeah, I'm Katy Perry. Katy Perry. Yeah. I mean, both of the very very talented singers. Like certainly way above average for sure. Have some awesome songs. But Ariana is like the Garska of that world. Just like Dude. you, you don't stand a chance against that one. Like it's it's not even close. You know. That is a pro among pros. That is so that is so funny to me. Um, that. I don't know. I just think the Garskov. The Garskov of female pop singers. Of, yeah. yeah. She's just like like put put him against anyone. It's probably not close, you know. Yeah. She's she's freakishly Insane. talented, man. Insane. Yeah. So um, I want to play with her. I want to okay. play with her. Um then let's see. Study with I think I'd have to go Elon Rubin. He's such a He always strikes me his playing, his decisions like on his albums and stuff. They always strike me as like very well thought out and professional. So I think a lesson with that guy would probably be concept heavy and be like more more of like a career impact sort of mm-hmm. thing. I wouldn't yeah. want, want to ask that guy for patterns necessarily, but I yeah. would want to know like, how do you think about writing music? How do you think about approaching this gig or this gig over the years? That would be yeah. really, really cool insight from a guy like him. Yeah. Um, so that's Swamp Study Shed. Yeah, be fun to shed with Josh Dunn. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I don't know much, too much about him personally, other than I've known that he's the drummer for 21 Pilots. Yeah. Um, he trains pretty hard. I think that would be a really fun. Yeah. But I, the, I feel like the level of technicality isn't so high that More showmanship. it would be fun to play yeah. with him. Okay, right? I see what you're saying. You wouldn't yeah. get like overshadowed by his skill necessarily. Sure. Well, he's a performer, right? I, I yeah. imagine like quite a showman. And you're right; that would actually be really fun. Mm-hmm. So that's probably yeah, that's probably the right choice. That would be mine on those. Yeah, his that's, like that's a good one. his like big thing for a while was like he it was him, uh, it, I think it was like 
kick snare hat and then maybe a crash on like a wooden platform in the audience that he would like do oh, okay. a, a, a solo. Mute Math did something like that, right? Darren did. They used to pass things around the audience, like surfing on like, so, you know. I don't think, the, the one Mute Math concert that I went to, um, life-changing. Because they're great, and Darren King's a god uh, among men. But um, he did a cool thing. I might have said this before. Okay. He gave like four audience members like gloves, oh, and those, they, I they, they were basically this. like MIDI controllers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he like he I don't he either looped it or like played something on their sure. hands. It it was awesome. Yeah. And then uh, Paul Meany has like I don't know some weird fucking instrument that he was just like here if i can take it like i looked through it out in the audience yeah. that was cool um i don't know that yeah but that showmanship level type thing would sure. be great to shed with yeah, yeah that would be, be really cool. really cool also interesting to pick the brain of a drummer who's in that world right where your yeah. aesthetics when you're playing are very very important like the technicality mm -hmm. of 21 pilots is probably not a priority but mm -hmm. like how we look on stage like the atmosphere you create in those right. mega shows is very important for yeah sure. how do you engage a crowd having that simple of a set on just you know in, right in front of that but for two people on stage yeah and i imagine they would play you know hour and a half two hour sets right yeah yeah, yeah a lot like of stuff that. to think about yeah that's a good one all right who else we got all right so the second one. trio that we have is kind of a, i don't know how i thought of this trio <laughs> thomas lang Okay. So the drama nitha. Taylor Gordon, aka the Pocket Queen. Okay. Sure you know who that is. Yeah, yeah. And then Jonathan Moffat, hmm. who was Michael Jackson's drummer. So okay, I actually had a chance to sit down and uh, and interview Jonathan Moffat. No way. For uh, for Earthworks, actually at Nam. There's the video is definitely online somewhere. It was Jonathan Moffat and Aaron Spears back to back. <laughs> Very weird. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was for Earthworks, and then Kaz Rodriguez. That was the other one. Yeah. Uh, all Earthworks artists, and so we just sat at the microphone booth at Nam and and talked to these guys for a while. It was really cool. Um, he is super super cool, Jonathan Moffat. Very very friendly guy. Will tell you any story about, I don't know, Michael Jackson or whoever. He he'll he'll tell you all the stories, right? So it's definitely fun fun talking with him. Um, what a stud in that picture too, man! Got the, the chest hair and the vest and <laughs> it's everything. So cool. it is. I love that they like overlaid the DW kit just like over his body. Yeah, right it's, it's like he's standing like, over like a that's giant. Such a bold ad. Again, <laughs> what year do you think this is? Eighties uh, or late seventies? I want to say nineties. Give that credit. I don't know. That, We've had a couple photos. Yeah. Like I think we've shown yeah, a few of these on the podcast, and it's just like we need to recreate something. These are style. so fun. These '90s, '80s magazine shoot. Yeah. Pictures would be phenomenal. They're so funny. Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna go. Oh, this is a tricky one. Okay, and then we have Taylor Gordon, who's heavy, just pocket player. Yeah. Right. I mean that 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 I don't want to say sums up her playing, but certainly that's it's accurate. her title. He, yeah, well, you're right. She did give herself she pocket She's in her the name. Pocket so, queen. Yeah. yeah. All right. And then, and then you have Lang, Lang, who's got a baseball bat in this photo for some reason. Yeah, I have uh, <laughs> <laughs> tried to find the funniest photo of him. That was what it was. Uh, he, he smashes for sure. With Getty images right across the <laughs> Perfect. Sorry, I couldn't, couldn't no, find the royalty free hey, one. Hey, shout out Getty, whatever. No. Um, Okay, so I think I have to study with Thomas Lang. Yeah. Just to, right, just a wealth of knowledge without a doubt. Um, you could study under that guy for 20 years and he would still have things to teach you. So definitely would study mm. um, with Thomas Lang. 
Um, let's I have, see. I have to think. He's D- been featured on Swap Study Shed before. Has he? Okay. With, with two different drummers. So to be fair, the choices might have been different there. Yeah. Uh, I've always picked him for Study, though. How like I think seems he's dumb not to. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I would do the the Jonathan Moffat. Do I get to, to swap with any gig that he you ever had? You get to go back in time. Oh, okay. And, and well, that's you, a gig. Yeah, we get to bend reality for you. Yeah. And you get to go back in time and gig in the 80s. Yeah. We're when, doing MJ. We're playing Thriller. Yeah, on yeah stage. you're doing yeah. a bunch of narcotics. Yeah, for to sure. To get through the tour. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and then... Yeah, you're not allowed to remember it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the deal. It's funny that you yeah. say he told stories, but I'm only speculating on the narcotics. Um, <laughs> well, and then obviously I would I would hang out with Taylor. That would be the hang for sure. And I imagine she she's a cool hang. There There is definitely... This is a weird, I don't know how to best say this, but like people with deep pocket and feel, like those kinds of drummers tend to be really cool. Yeah. Right? Because you, you, I don't know, maybe this is like a, a really oversimplified way to say it, but like you can't have no personality and not be intelligent and be like a, a dull person, but you have super dope feel on the drums. Like that never seems to be the case. You're at least an interesting person. I kind of find that to be... You have some kind of character in there, because that's what yeah. I hear when you play drums. So, I don't know. I find that those people are generally cooler than they are not, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm thinking of, like, weird pocket players that I know, and they've they've always got, like, a vibe on them of some kind, because they're... Yeah. It's a weird way to play drums, you know? Who's uh, uh, Questlove? Extremely deep pocket. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, He's yeah. Super cool. Right. You know what comes to mind? What's his name? One Up Drum Vids, Carson. What's Carson's last name? One Up Drum Vids is the name of it. His name is Carson. We hung out at Nam one time. Dude, that guy is not only insane pocket, but uh, he's such a character. Such a, He was a really, really fun hang. Shout out Carson if you're listening, buddy. Um, that's one weird example that came to mind where like the character and the pocket are somehow kind of tied together. But uh, did you find Carson? Ah, I'm looking. I'm sorry, I haven't been making. Nope, sorry. <laughs> He's wearing a shirt that says Zatarans, <laughs> like the He's fucking wild, rice brand. He's a wild dude. His He's, name is Carson. He's he's from One Up Drum Vids. But yeah, shout out him. He's already already making me laugh. Yeah, he's a funny dude. Definitely worth scrolling through his Instagram. He's a he's a character. But anyway, all right, all right. that's it for Swap Study right. Shed. That was all a good one. Right. Yeah, Those were good, yeah, yeah. Good that, was, that, was, that was fun. You get to travel <laughs> back in time today. Oh, yeah. That was fun. All right, cool. So I like alliteration a lot, right? Right. And one of my favorites that we've done since the beginning, since episode one of the podcast was Sleeper Spotlight. Oh, yeah. Where we feature a drummer that y'all are sleeping on. We get Adam's opinions, impressions, and constructive criticism, if any. So first off, I want to start out with Rick Dior. Uh, he does not have an Instagram, but he has a YouTube channel. Okay. He has about 15,000 subscribers. I gave him a pass on this one. On YouTube, Because I feel like right. he should have more. Now, the reason that I wanted to feature him on the podcast today was we don't get too much into jazz because, as we know, you hate it, you'll never study it, jazz and you're not losers. good at it. <clears throat> yeah. But Rick is really good at it, loves it, and has a passion for teaching. Okay. Right? He is a curation of everything jazz. He has the skills to showcase his well-learned knowledge uh, of the genre. And so here, for everybody to enjoy on Sleeper Spotlight, I have a video of him playing on a weird little drum set. Okay. These are his skills. Rick is fucking awesome. (laughs) All right, Rick. Let's see what you got. 
definitely a really seasoned player. You got some like mm-hmm. tasty licks in there for yeah. sure. He's, yeah, he's, he's seasoned like Zatarain's rice, man. <laughs> yeah, man. He's definitely. Uh, I don't know. A, a lot of like traditional licks, but played super clean. They oh, just like they just yeah. hit perfectly. If if you're interested, Rick's got a bunch of uh, jazz solos that okay. he's played. And then he'll play the whole solo, give you like two camera angles, and then he'll break it down. Cool. And go through all the different concepts. And of course, like they're not as impressive as modern day drum solos or anything like that. But he plays them like the notated everything. Wow. It's from a book. One of those, and yeah. And can probably play it if you mention it. Yeah, him, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so incredibly talented, smart, knowledgeable, uh, and a good teacher at that. Sure. And it's very evident in his playing. Yeah, so. that was it was definitely like veteran, veteran vibes yeah. for sure. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. I can't decide how I feel about this kit because it looks it's first of all, it's it's by Peavy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that didn't last, whatever yeah. <laughs> whatever they were doing back then. Um when what is the kit from? Like eighties? I, that I, seems I would very imagine 80s. it's it's he it's a PV Radial One Thousand kit. Uh, wow. It's not the primary kit that he plays. I uh, would assume not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a weird looking kit. <laughs> he plays something else, um, much more like jazz centered kit. Uh, plays quite a few different cymbals as well. Sure. Um, sometimes with like sizzles, sometimes big stuff, sometimes small stuff. Uh, depending on what he's playing. Yeah. I can't decide if I like the sound of this drum. It's weird. It's like dry and boingy. But room sound, too. Yeah, it has... has, You're right. It wasn't close-miked. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. It had like an interesting sound, but I couldn't decide if it was like cheap or high quality, but definitely an interesting kit sound. Uh, I'm attuned very well. Yeah, attuned well. hear that range. Good melodies, yeah. Cool. Well, shout out Rick, dude. That was awesome. I want to check out some more of his vids because anybody that's just like... Let me do a quick demo for you. And then just like, shreds. Play, just like, shreds. absolutely shreds. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, that was like a throwaway take, probably. Yeah. You know, not like he's rehearsing to do the drum set demo. Right. Right. But when you see somebody that's that talented, like total improvisa- improvisation, it makes you want to watch some more, you know? Yeah. When it came across, I like saying this, when it came across my desk, <laughs> um, I was like, oh, PV made a drum set. And I was like, all right, whatever. And then skip to the video. Yeah. And, Typically, whenever you watch these like weird gear reviews or whatever, it's just like somebody playing, but you're like, I'd like to hear more of what this kit actually has to offer. Sure. I never had that thought with it with his playing that video that we just yeah, watched. Yeah. I watched it like, oh my God, I can get a sense of what this sounds like and everything. This is perfect. Yeah, yeah. This is what drummers are looking for when they're talking about like gear reviews. Yeah. Or demos. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, very satisfying to watch that for sure. It's awesome. Uh, but on the other spectrum of things. It sucks when you're just like, I'd really like to know what this kit sounds like. And there's a YouTube channel of a drum shop or something, and they're just like, here it is. And it's like 30 seconds of really, really basic playing, like yeah. nothing complicated or not even showcasing the whole kit. It's like, all right. Yeah, sometimes people do that. You'll always stumble across that random video of someone that plays it for like four seconds and talks for 20 minutes. Oh my God. It happens, yeah. yeah. Glad you got ad revenue from that video <laughs> for going over the 10-minute mark. Anyway... Uh, that'll move us on onto our next sleeper, Slater Drums underscore Slater underscore Drums. Yep, he's a session musician from Britain. Okay, with like not even a thousand followers. Actually, he had seven hundred and ninety-nine. I was number eight hundred. There you go. Of his followers, eight hundred. Uh, so yeah, here's Slater Drums with a couple of videos. All right, number one, Slater Drums.
definitely a cool, cool style. Almost like a, I don't want to say old school, but like playing rudiment based ride grooves mm -hmm. with like the bell and the kick matching together. Like something about that is is kind of an old school thing to do. Yeah. Um, but that in a much more like modern. I don't know, aggressive, angsty, distorted guitars, yelling vocal. Like, again, when that style, definitely a cool little mix in there for yeah. sure. You also had some challenging or, like, I guess just tricky uh, cymbal accents, like in weird spots coming off of little snare fills. Definitely a few, like, interesting moments in there. Short clip, though. It's a short one. Yeah. Let's yeah, a couple of They're not too long, which I like, you know, when people keep them short on Instagram, at least. Yeah, I'm with like, you. It doesn't right, matter. I need a bit, and this is what, you know... I know people do like shorts on YouTube and stuff, but yeah. I go to YouTube for long form. I go to Instagram for short form for the most part. Mm -hmm. And that's nice when I'm scrolling through somebody's profile and I go, I know what you're doing here because I can see you've summed up your body of work yeah. in a very short manner. So it's also, I, you know. it's, it's, all, it's weird when, I don't know, TikTok is like poisoned everything. It's just, <laughs> it's like everything Ooh. is so, so short, so fast. Uh, um, but yeah. like, I don't like how YouTube now has YouTube shorts and then Instagram was like, uh, did you want to post a 30 minute video? Like, yeah. no, I'm on Instagram. Like, why would I want to put, put a 30 minute yeah. video? And then YouTube, it's like, did you want to post a story? Like, no, I'm on YouTube. Like, they're both like, like yeah. borrowing from each other. Like, I don't know. I, I wish they would stay separate because I think to me that that's why they're so valuable. Like, uh -huh. there's a value in the short content. And that's where I go to Instagram. Why I go to Instagram. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm getting old, man. I'm finding like more and more stuff where I'm like, I hate that because it's different. <laughs> you oh, find yourself man. doing that a lot more yeah. when you get older. That's what getting old is. That's what I, it is. I You're hate, just like, I, I hate, hate I hate stuff. a lot of things now. Things I are hate, different. I don't I like that. New stuff. I, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, give me the old stuff. Yeah. Yep. Well, and then you'll get to a point, too, where you're so old that you want new stuff. Yeah, you might turn around. You know? catch. You can afford like, new stuff when you get older. That happens. Yeah, <laughs> that's also very true. Um, but anyway, there's another right. video from uh, sorry Ellis. Ellis uh, is Ellis. his name. Okay, yes. Slater drums, clip two. Definitely a heavy player. I yeah. like that. You could hear the tone of those drums really woken up. Yeah. There's a, we've talked about this before, but there is a big difference in how drums sound based off of the dynamic level that you're playing. Like sometimes certain kits and certain genres too, like man, they, they just hit so much harder when you actually really lay into them. Um, so I don't know. I liked that, that he was like really powerfully like playing deep into those for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, clean hurtas like fast around the kit for sure. I definitely heard a couple of the, the phrase I used to use with students was like, I would call it physical guessing where it's like there was a couple tiny, very, very small, I'm being really nitpicky here, um, but there was like a couple moments where it was like, I could hear the slight gap in, or like the lapse in thought, where it was like a couple of like, eh, kind of like, I don't wanna say muddy notes, but like they weren't completely mm. intentional, right? And it was surrounded by very intentional playing, so that, that might actually make it easier to discern those little moments of like, I wasn't sure what the pattern was, and then you kind of go back in, so like I heard that a couple times in there, 
uh, sometimes that is a matter of like fixing that 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 problem i guess you could call it um slowing down by like five bpm gives you just enough time to think that the notes can land with more clarity um instead of coming out with this like this this slightly little muddled sound and again i use the word muddled like very loosely here because your playing is not muddled i definitely don't mean that at all um but I, again, I'm being extremely picky because I'm looking for like one piece of criticism that I could possibly mm -hmm. offer. But dude, overall, very, very clean. I love how powerful uh, you play and a lot of really cool ideas too, like creative, exploratory playing, which is yeah. always my favorite kind of drummer to watch. Like I, when I get to hear your voice, not necessarily drum parts that someone else wrote or something that you have you know, let's just say learned already, right? You're, you're executing something that you've already rehearsed. To me, that's always less interesting. This kind of playing is the most interesting to me because I get to hear the free flow of your thoughts, just fresh out the brain down into the hands. That's what I like. So awesome playing, man. It was really cool. Go cool. check him out, guys. Can't believe he's got under a thousand followers. Yeah, is, is not enough. Yeah. Up, up, up. 10K, 10K. Mm -hmm. So shout out Rick Dior and I believe it's Ellis Slater. Um, Ellis Slater. Right, that's I a cool. Just, that's a cool name. I like very the name memorable Ellis. name. Ellis, like Ellis Island. Um, but anyway, yeah. Shout out our sleepers. If you have recommendations for sleepers for the podcast, please you can recommend them in any fashion. Comment down below on YouTube. Go to the forums of OrlandoDrummer.com or shoot me an email directly at Chris at OrlandoDrummer.com. And speaking of all those ways of correspondence, if you have any questions for the podcast, which is our next segment Q and A, yeah, uh, you can send them to all those different channels. Anyway, we will move on to Q&A. Um, so these questions come from Instagram, YouTube, or the forums of OrlandoDrummer.com, or straight to me at Chris at OrlandoDrummer.com, as I said before. First question from Mark W. is, I've always found that at the end of my practice sessions, I tend to get distracted and just play whatever comes to mind. How mm -hmm. does one keep themselves focused on one or two skills when practicing for 30 minutes, an hour, four hours? Okay, so first thing I would recommend checking out, I don't know, is he a member or is this just a, some, an email? There's an email. Okay, Mark, yeah. so if you're not a member, I would highly recommend go start a free seven-day trial on OrlandoDrummer.com. You don't have to pay anything. Um, and cancel within seven days. You can cancel. I, I don't recommend that you cancel, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you can. We you recommend know. you buy it, but in the event <laughs> that you have like some sort of like, you know, you want to try this. Sure, sure. There are well, ways to do it. But either way, in that seven-day window, you should go watch... Um, the Practicing 101 Masterclass, because that, inside of there, it contains a much better answer than I'm going to be able to give you in the next couple minutes, but um, effectively, you need to have like a strategy going in, right? Like the leaving, leaving, like what, what is the, what's that old weird traditional phrase? The idle hands, devil's playground? that sort of thing. Like when you don't have anything to do, you will do oftentimes the wrong thing. Like it's, it's something along those lines. And this definitely happens in practice for sure, because the word practice is too vague, too, way, way too vague. If you said, I'm going to go practice, a lot of times that gets dumbed down to proximity to drum set, right? Like that you were around the drums, you kind of played the drums, you did some drum things. But if you actually like add it up, everything that you did in that window of practice, well, some of it was tuning and some of it was sending a text message and some of it was jamming a song and then you lost five minutes to warming up and then you had, you know, oh, you remember that one lick that I saw? Let me try that for a minute. Like, and it ends up being this weird, like amorphous blob of drum things and you just call it practice. This happens to everybody in absence of a plan. So 
what is the plan? That's what I cover in the Practicing 101 Masterclass. And it's effectively like, like uh, it's a structure of like for five minutes, do this thing. Then for another five minutes, do this thing. For another five minutes, do this thing. And I, I explain how you should schedule your breaks, like, like how long should you practice a thing before you actually walk away from that. Now, the reason I can't give you any specifics in an example like this is because it's gonna change depending on what you're practicing. Working on a song, well that's one type of structured practice setup and if you were working on uh, rudiments or like a book, th those are definitely different different strategies for that. But my general answer, answer here is that you have to have some kind of strategy when you walk into the practice room or else, you know, what I described, like everything kind of blurs together, that will happen every single time. It, it's just, one ends up happening. I'm trying to think of a of another analogy for like where this could happen, <clears throat> but like I don't know. Let's try cars. Like if if you were if you said I'm gonna go like work on my car, well like you know you, you might find a couple things to do. You're gonna clean up a little bit of this, and maybe you maybe you wash the tires a little bit, and then mm -hmm. maybe you you know maybe you get around to changing the oil. But that's not the same as saying I want to do this specific thing to my car. I mm -hmm. want to change the brakes. Right? It's like tinkering around is not the same as having like a really specified goal. And this happens with practice a lot. Don't leave it as just practice. Practice what? What exactly do you hope to achieve in this practice session? You know, you wanna play this groove at 65 BPM by this date. That is a good goal and you'll know if you don't hit it, right? So. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, concrete goals yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. articulated more, goals. You have yeah. to say exactly what you want out of this yeah. window. Right? Say it out loud too. Mm -hmm. I remember um, a while ago. I don't remember the exact like date or whatever. Um, Forrest Rice came in town with his band. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, I was fortunate enough to get a small lesson from him when he was in town. And uh, I said, "How did you know? How did you get so good?" Let's just you know throw that question. He's like, "Well, I." For an entire year, I practiced for eight hours a day. Yeah, I, I like, believe what? that with him. Yeah, what eight hours? Eight, what did you do? I woke up and I had breakfast and I sat down and I, I played, you know, with my hands to a click. Sure. And then uh, for an hour, and then for another hour, it was, I don't know, paradiddle-diddles. Yeah. <laughs> now we eight, should also clarify know. at at his skill level, practice does look different. Like I, mm -hmm. I don't think he meant. That he was sitting down with a drum book, like studying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It he was, was he was applying methods he had known and learned yes. to the kit. For, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. There was probably some some periods of like more intense studying before, but I would believe that guy can sit down and just play for eight hours. Yeah. At a certain yeah. point, it does turn into that where like like practice can look that way, but I think in your first several years of playing, it shouldn't really look that way because you'll waste so much time just like goofing around mm -hmm. when like you know. I don't know, if you can't keep left foot quarter notes, like you should, you have to work on that. Like that's not fun, mm -hmm. but like you do have to go through some of those like fundamental, like uh, they feel like bullshit, but they're not, you know, <laughs> like, like some of those little yeah. windows, like no, you gotta work on that one, I know it sucks, yeah. you know. Independence is like that a lot of times, not fun, but vital, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah all that, question. Question. all that like, it seems like bullshit really isn't. Yeah, stuff, there's yeah. a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, it's like going to the gym. First two weeks are hard. It's kind of bullshit. Feels like it, and then week three, you're like, oh shit! Like I can do more now, and I can apply more. Sure, and I can feel muscle groups, and yeah. yeah. Except in drums, that takes like ten years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so maybe not two weeks. But, <laughs> maybe not two weeks. All right, I we'll guess nice. maybe the analogy still holds. <laughs> uh, next question from Sean L. He asks, during performances, I always get some sort of cut, scrape, bruise, or soreness from my playing. 
How do you keep yourself from injuring your body while playing? Hmm. I would imagine he said during shows. Uh, he said during performances. During I performances. would imagine maybe like rehearsals too could probably cause them, but performances. You well, put a lot of energy in being just, like a showman. I was gonna say it's probably like an adrenaline dump sort of thing, something like that. Mm-hmm. Which it's weird, man. Like I, you don't want to tell anybody like calm down, like. It's probably the reason yeah. you do this is the feeling yeah. that you have on stage, like yeah. what that feels like. That's probably why you're doing this in the first place. So I wouldn't want to tell anyone to um, lower the intensity, but there's got to be some balance that you can strike where you're not like actually getting injured. Um, so one thing you could do that would be really smart to prevent injury in general is just warm up, like dedicate a little bit more time to warming up because it's I mean, athletes would have to deal with this for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't do anything to warm up and then you get in the zone where you're doing your athletic performance, whether it's on a football field or in a gym somewhere, whatever you're doing, you know, it, you're going you're gonna to have the all of that adrenaline sort of kick in and you're going to go really, really hard. And before that happens, you want to make sure that your body's like ready to keep up because your mind's going to get to this certain place where it's ready to go. And your body might be like, hey, dude, like we were just sitting on the couch like 20 minutes ago and this is really hard. Mm. So, yeah, I would think warming up would be a huge, huge part of that. And then I would also want to know, like, maybe take inventory of what these injuries are, because if you're doing the same weird thing that gets you injured over and over, like, let's just make something up and say it's a strained wrist. Like, that could be the angle of your snare drum. It could be uh, maybe an injury that you actually need to go see a doctor for, do some sort of rehabilitation exercises. Like, there's, it depends on what the injury is. If you're getting randomly injured, like, like it's like a different part of your body every time that, that yeah. you play a show, that is more than likely just like you gotta calm down a little bit. <laughs> gotta calm down a little. Um, but if it's the same injury over and over, that you could probably develop a strategy for. But I think the the best preventative thing you could do would be just warm up, man. Make sure you're warmed up all the time. Really, really important. Yeah, yeah. You know, one thing I've always been afraid of of doing was like choking a symbol too hard, it cracking, and you just slicing your hand open. That has probably happened to someone. It's definitely yeah. happened to somebody. Just like I mean, like full, like you need stitches right away. Yeah, like, palm is wide open. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you think of just like it's just an alloy saw, basically, yeah. mm-hmm. is what a symbol is. You mm. know, just cutting into your hand, the most vital part of your playing. I've always, I've always had Ugh, that fear. No good. That would oh, suck. Uh, I do have another question. Okay, it's a little bit of a weird one. Right. Uh, it's from Leslie J, and they ask. Is it possible to be an expert on the drums if you've never picked up a pair of sticks and played? An expert on the drums is the wrong way to say it. Um, You could have expert level knowledge of the study of rhythm. Yes, without without ever having played anything, for sure. The phrase I use in, what class was this in? Um... Um... Four phases of drumming. It was called My Philosophy on Becoming a Great Drummer. In there, I talk about this little phenomenon that happens at a certain point in everyone's like progression as a drummer where you become what I call like top-heavy, and it means that you you mentally conceptualize things beyond what you're able to play. And this happens after a while where like I could write out a groove right now 
that I completely understand mathematically, conceptually. I know what every note is. I understand what these notes are, but that does not mean that I can sit down and play it right away. That is a separate thing altogether to like teach this down to my body, right? So I, it's like it's like you're top heavy, like you know more than you're able to play. And if you just started that way and said, I want to study rhythm, like give me a pen and paper with a drum teacher and sit down and just learn how to like, let's say read and count rhythm. You could become like a world-class expert on that, but have never actually played anything. Now you're at some point you are going to have to use your body to express the rhythm. You could also use your voice, like, but you're gonna run into some things where you have to snap, clap, count with your voice. Like you're gonna have to do something like that, but you could become an expert on the study of rhythm without ever playing the drums. That is totally possible. That would be weird because I don't know what you do with that skill set if you can't bring it through. Like if you have no voice, like no instrument to express it, like I'm not sure why you would want to do that unless you were just like a math nerd. If you were just fascinated by the mathematics and you wanted to study it, um, yeah, you could absolutely become an expert and have no ability to play. Those would be two separate skills, totally separate skills, yeah. Hmm. And when combined, create great drummers. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, really, you really, you should combine them. You should probably combine them. Yeah, you should combine them. <laughs> but yeah. you, don't, you wouldn't have to, no. You could definitely, I believe that there's, there's someone on the planet that could come in here, they cannot play a basic rock beat, but they could like school me in theory. Yeah. That's or definitely you, yeah. a person. You yeah. could quiz them and then they could get everything right. Yeah. Well, much. this could be any, any industry, like, there's one last example. You could have someone who knows an unbelievable amount about like rocket science, but they don't know how to fly a rocket. Like they've never done that part. Yeah. But like all of the mechanisms of propulsion and all the weird science that makes it work, they could be an expert on all of that. But it doesn't mean that they've ever actually even touched a rocket. They just know how all yeah. of this works. Like that, that could that could happen for drums. Weird, but that could happen. Well, that'll do it for Q and A. All right. Um, again, if you have questions for the podcast, please comment down below on YouTube, Instagram, on the Instachops, Twitter, members area of OrlandoDrummer.com, or an email to Chris at OrlandoDrummer.com, and I will leave it to you to close out the podcast. Cool. So we mentioned earlier in this podcast, we went and saw uh, me and Kelly went and saw Alanis Morissette. Yeah. I actually bought those tickets. A year and a half ago, and then it got canceled, and then rescheduled. Nope. Um, so now, so we went down there to see them at uh, got this like Tampa amphitheater place. That was oh, a okay. it, weird venue. Weird. Is it the Ford Amphitheater is it? Different no, now? it was like Midwestern Credit Union oh, Amphitheater. Yeah. Stupid bank name. Owns an entertainment. Cool, venue. cool. Ugh. Yeah, the name was so weak. Um, it was a weird venue. Very, so Florida. So Florida. Just think, like the people, the yeah. vibe there was like, it was so Tampa. It was I think hilarious. it used to be the Ford Amphitheater, and I've been there before. Okay. I it's saw, huge. Yeah. 15,000. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but Alanis Morissette, that had to be cool. Tell it, us about that. It was cool. It was really cool. Played um, Jagged Little Pill, that album. And I guess that would be my closing message for this. If you don't know that album, there's a lot of young people that listen to this who mm -hmm. you were might have been like a baby when that yeah. came out, or maybe you were born after that album came out it was what late 90s super early 2000s i'm too young you can't yeah i don't know oh man anyway <laughs> if you want to like like hear it it true and it's weird for me because like if someone says name my favorite artists or albums like i don't say alanis morissette but it is not difficult to appreciate like what a masterpiece that album is and this was that album tour it's called jagged little pill was the name of that album but it's weird man it's one of those albums where Kelly has it on vinyl and she'll play it sometimes. And it, 
Like, even if you couldn't name one of the songs that was on it, if you grew up in the 90s, like, you will somehow know every song. You're like, mm-hmm. how do I just, like, it was, it, it's just unbelievable, like, how much that album, like, permeated culture back then. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like I ever owned that album growing up, but she'll play it through, and I'm like, I know, like, most of these songs. Yeah. Like, almost the whole album, just because of how frequently it was played, like, in my childhood. But anyway, it was really cool getting to see... Um, that band do like a, a reunion. The drummer was awesome. I don't know who he is, mm, but um, look yeah, up. that'd be interesting to find out who yeah. he was. Played a Gretsch, but um, yeah, Ooh. sounded good. The sound was amazing, but they played the album just note for note. Um, it was it was awesome. Really, really well done. So and that tour is actually, it just started. This was like the second show. So anyway, yeah. if you're, uh, you know, anywhere near 30, you probably want to see the Alanis Morissette show. It was sick. It's sick. It, you, you find the drummer? It's Taylor Hawkins. No, this wasn't Taylor Hawkins. Oh, okay, yeah. I looked up, I googled. Um, this guy was Alanis like like Morissette his... touring drummer, and it just shows up with Whoa. Taylor Hawkins. Years active from 1994 to present. Whoa. Okay, so he's not on this tour. At least the guy that I saw was like played a Gretsch, and he was probably like 60 or older. Um, he's a little bit older, but. Wow, that's crazy. Taylor Hawkins played for her. That's wild. It's okay. a great rock album. It definitely like very just 90s indie rock. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely sick. Anyway, album recommendation. That's how we're closing out. Go listen to Jagged Little Pill. There's some. There's definitely some uh, some masterpiece level hits on there, man. Just awesome, awesome. I'm, and that's all we got for you in yeah. episode 28. Thank you guys for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. We will catch you guys next week. Thank you, Chris. Peace. Later.